So just just real quickly before we invite people up to share, I just kind of want to briefly summarize what we got to do while we were in Israel. Um, so first of all, I want to make the distinction that we didn't go on a mission trip necessarily, but the trip to Israel is more of a, I would call it more of a pilgrimage in that the point of it is that we get to go and like experience and encounter the Lord. Um, We didn't get as much of an opportunity to serve, but it was really amazing because when you go to the land of Israel, you get to see the places that you read about in your Bible and it hits your heart in a whole new way of you're like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like these are not just stories with good moral principles. Like this is a real God in a real place with real people and they're really interacting. Like this is really happening. And so it's so cool to be able to see some of those historical sites um, and see the places where Jesus would have like preached and taught and done miracles. But also the the uh, second aspect that we all got to experience is we got to spend a lot of time with the local church while we were in Israel. And that was so precious because we got to, to attend other houses of prayer that are doing the exact same thing that we're doing, but they're doing it in Israel. And they're doing it in Jerusalem and in Judea, the Judean wilderness and in Nazareth. Like they're building night and day worship unto the Lord, unto his return. And we got to meet and worship with a lot of these people, Arabs and Jews alike, that are believing in Jesus. Um, and so it was so amazing just to hear some of the testimonies from the local church, local believers, missionaries that are serving in hard places in the Middle East. It just strengthens your faith. Um, And I remember one of the years that we went to Israel, I remember meeting a Jewish believer in Jesus and he was sharing, he's like, yeah, you know, everybody comes to Israel to see the ancient stones, but nobody comes to see the living stones, right? Like, because the Bible talks about how we are being built together as living stones into a temple for the Lord. And so we got to interact with ancient stones and living stones. So I'm so thankful for that. So we had, our trip was about 10 days and we started off in Jerusalem and got to travel from there to a lot of places in the city, but also to the Judean wilderness, to the Dead Sea, um, to the Engedi. And then we went up uh, towards the last half of the trip. We went up towards the Sea of Galilee, which was so peaceful and so beautiful and got to see the place that Jesus spent the most of his life and the most of the time with his disciples. Um, So yeah, so just we are so thankful um, for that experience. And I want to invite... um, Cindy up to share first um, from her time. Thanks, Becca, for opening us up. Um, I was so blessed to be able to go to Israel this year with um, Emily and Daniel and Becca and Jeff. If I forgot someone, I'm sorry. The wands. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was such a blessing to be able to go to the wilderness. Um, Becca talked a little bit about the wilderness part or like the Judean wilderness, like En Gedi. Hi, Derek. Hi, Jared. <laughs> Superstar. Um, so this is like funny part um when funny funny uh beginning part when uh we first got landed touchdown in tel aviv 
Daniel thought there wasn't going to be any washing machines and any sorts of modern civil, like civilian type. He thought we were going to be in this. So a lot of Israel is like that, but not, you know, the parts we lived in. So we're very thankful for that. But um, yeah, I guess just talking about the wilderness and Getty having like an oasis and having living water and just flowing water and greenery was very beautiful, very refreshing to be in versus um, a desolate wasteland like that. And so um, I guess my point was I really enjoyed, well, actually, if you know me as a person, I do not actually like going outside. I don't, I don't, I melt as soon as I hit heat. And so I am, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. It was just very hot, but it was so worth it to go and to just kind of give, give it to Jesus. And um, thinking about just what the wilderness is and why we should be in the wilderness. Um, John's John the Baptist's ministry was mainly in the wilderness, I would say. And also, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went 40 days into the wilderness. He went into not the nice, watery parts, but into the dry, hard parts. And so just being able to pull out from Revelations 12, 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to which she was nourished for that many days. And I love that verse because in my own heart, I have not embraced the wilderness and I have not um, loved the place prepared by God in that way. So I think even just how it was a blessing to be able to go and see and to feel um, nourished by God, even when there was uh, no visible signs of life in those places. But yes. So fun fact, if you look at this picture, so this is Qumran. So that little cave there is actually where a, um, a Bedouin sheep herder accidentally discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls because he had a sheep that got lost. And in searching for his lost sheep, he found these scrolls that were thousands of years old. And it was cool because the translation of the Bible in the Dead Sea Scrolls was the same thousands of years later. So it just kind of confirmed the accuracy of scripture. So that's a fun little side note. Um, but I love what Cindy was, was kind of talking about or pointing out is that like People like John the Baptist, or even if you think about like the Israelites traveling, like wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, they were wandering in that. They should have died. Okay. No one can survive in that save for like the Lord's provision. And so like it does, like one of the things that Samuel Whitfield pointed out when we were in this location in particular is that like sometimes like it really takes us pulling out of like the busyness of the city or the busyness of our everyday lives or the busyness of our cell phones and like all of the demands to dial down and be able to hear from the voice of the Lord. And so that was something that I think was really cool to see as you're seeing this literal like wilderness is sometimes in Christendom, like we'll talk about having wilderness seasons where it really just means you feel dry in your spirit, right? But to see the actual wilderness and be like, no, this is where God draws and leads his people so that he can have their attention, like just gives you a really cool 
and um, deeper picture. So amen and amen. Um, I'm going to invite Jeff up to share next. Give me a sec, guys. We have some technical difficulties. That uh, there's a song that I want to pull up. I don't know if we can get it up on the screen. If not, I will just read it from mine. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know how they. How the shepherd think that the goat is the sheep is somehow inside that cave and went up to look for it because the the, the 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 cave is like inside that um, on a wall on, on a cliff. Uh, there's no way sheep can get inside unless it's like spider sheep or something. But anyway, I thought that was uh, interesting. Huh? Ibex? Uh, they don't they don't uh, farm ibex, do they? Not that I know of. Anyway. But somehow we think that uh, the sheep is inside a cave and found it. So I thought that's interesting. Um, anyway, um, so I think this trip was pretty awesome. And um, it's really a huge blessing that, um, that I get to go to it. So I think the one of the huge takeaway I had from this trip was um, it gives me a better understanding of Psalm 121, which I was reading uh, before um, the trip and I was trying to understand what it's talking about. Um, so what it basically goes, I would just read a few verses of it. Um, from verse 5 to the end, verse 8, um, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you alive. The Lord will keep you going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So um, I think uh, I had some um, I was trying to understand what this psalm was talking about because I think there's a disconnect between what the um, writer of the psalm tried to communicate and my understanding of it. Because um, he says that um, that the Lord will keep you will keep you from all evil, and then later on he says from this time forth and forevermore. So it implies um, that God will keep us from all evil from now and forever, which says present and future. Because um, um, I think even in the Psalms, David is always crying out like, "Oh God, I'm suffering! Oh God, I'm dying! Like save me!" So he's he's suffering from harm. So um, and then you see other um, Bible verses. I mean, other stories in the Bible that people are getting um, city are getting raided and horrible things happens, famines and everything else that's going on. You know, and then um, and. Even in the Revelation, it says that um, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes when um, he establishes his new kingdom, and which also implies that um, we are suffering in this age. So I was just trying to understand why does God say that, that he will keep us from all evil from now um, to forever in the future. So, yeah, another translation of it, it says keep us from all harm, which I think it's pretty... Um, which was which was what I was reading, but um, yeah. So um, I think um, for the sake of um, my understanding and explaining things, I'm just gonna 
try to kind of try to understand what harm means when God says when the when Psalm says that and uh, um I in the um and I just kind of divide it into like three categories of harm. One is that um that we we are willingly suffer harm for the sake of um for the sake of love. And um second one is um that God disciplined us um to give give us some amount of harm to keep us from the ultimate harm, which is the death, um, the second death. And then uh, lastly is the harm that we seek ourselves, um, which is a little bit hard to swallow, I think, for some, a um, little, little bit offensive, is this harm that we seek ourselves and we're suffering for it and God allow us to suffer for it. So yeah, um, I think what I want to focus on is the first type of harm, which is um, the harm that we suffer willingly for the sake of Christ, um, for the sake of love. And I see that a lot um, in Israel. Like, um, So we, uh, we went to uh, Yar Vashem, um, which is a museum in Israel. Um, the literal translation of that is a memory and a name. It's a memorial for the people who's lost in the Holocaust. I don't have a picture for it um, because the picture is not allowed in the museum, unfortunately. Um, so, um, what it is, so basically, uh, you go into this museum and see all those people who are suffering, you know, the people, the horrible things that happens, Nazis do to the Jewish people in the Holocaust, I think everybody's pretty familiar with it, and the story being told over and over again, so yeah, so, um, but one story that really stuck out to me was, um, the story of Corey Ten Boom, um, it's, it's about, um, I can't remember if she's, I think she's German, I think. Yes, German, Naha? Dutch, okay, Dutch, anyway, European. Um, so <laughs> so she, she's basically trying to save the Jewish people from being sent to a concentration camp, and um, the reason that she did it, was, and by, by doing that, she really put her life in danger of you know, getting caught and being persecuted for it by the, uh, by the Germany Nazi government. So yeah. Um, so the reason why she did that was because of Christ. He she sees that um, that um, God's God love her and that she's willing to um, respond to God's love. Um, so I think that everything really has a cost in this world. Nothing is really free. The the one thousand two hundred dollar you got from the government, it's not free. <laughs> so anything really demands a price, and so is love. And um, I think Jesus really paid for the price of love with his own life, and um, he sees the joy, it was said that he sees the joy before him, and glad he offered up his life for the sake of um, us, which is his prize, and it's, he did that because of the sake of love. And uh, we see that people, like in the strip, I see people respond in kind um, to the love of Christ, like the missionaries, uh, which we have few of them over to um, talk to us about. Oh, I think I'm running long time, but anyway. Um, so yeah, so talk to us about like the the, the things that they've been doing in uh, in Middle East, and I see their suffering because um, they live in a place that's super hot, like 90 degree heat. It's really huge suffering. I mean, 74 degrees a little too hot. 72 degrees a little too cold. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what it is is that uh, I see that they pay a huge price for it, and um, not talk about other suffering, just that you know, just saying that they really need to pay 
um, for the sake of love and because they see it and they say that it's worth it and they don't want to um, cheapen the price of love, of their love for God and God allow them to pay for it. So which I see it's awesome. Same with Corrie Ten Boom. She sees the love of Christ and she's willing to lay down her life for it and and um, and God willing to let her suffer for it. And yeah, so I think that's really touching for me. Give me a huge understanding of what this is talking about. And then also um, the second part is God well, willing to let us well, let us suffer because he disciplines those who he loves as um, his child. So yeah, and um, he also promised that the broken really will not broke or not break. So which another part is to have faith in God that um, that He will rescue, um, that um, just turn back to Him even in the midst of suffering and and, and harm um, that comes to us, and trust that um, that He's protecting us from a greater harm, which um, is the second death. Um, so yeah, so it's a faith in that and this harm that we don't understand of course and um, things happen that we don't really understand and like Job uh, God really want to uh, God bring um, sorry so so God never really explained to Job why things happen so uh, in a way we just got to trust in him so yeah so I think this uh, this trip is huge for me uh, to help me understand all of that so yeah Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. So I, I like what Jeff highlighted because I think he um, articulated just that wrestle that we get to go through as you're seeing all these things because you're seeing where Jesus himself suffered and then you're seeing the suffering that the Jewish people have gone through as a nation as God brought them back into existence as a nation out of the ashes of the Holocaust. And you're hearing the testimonies from people today who are suffering. Jeff, he talked about AC, but there were missionaries that we heard from that are like, if you take my picture here, I will die. Don't take my picture. Don't post this online. I'm legally not allowed to be here by my government. I will die if you post this. So we're hearing from people that are wrestling with the day-to-day reality of, do you believe that this man is who he says he is and is he worth it? Right? And you have to face that question at the end of the day. Like, do you believe he is who he says he is and is he worth you laying down your life? Is he worth laying down your life for your friends? Like Corey Ten Boom laid down her life for the Jewish people that didn't that she didn't know, you know? Um, and so that is one of the things that I love about going to Israel is that you get to face all of those realities and those challenging questions of like, wow, like we have a jealous God who loves us so intensely that he would actually crucify his son to reconcile us to God. And he would allow us to go through some difficult things to save us from ultimately being eternally separated from him. So um, thank you, Jeff, just for for sharing and kind of highlighting some of those things that we get to wrestle with. So uh, next, I will invite up Emily to share. Every uh, every day on our trip, I just want to say, so we took some time as a team to debrief a little bit after every day. And we'd kind of share, you know, what were your experiences from the day? How are you feeling? What did the Lord touch your heart with? And every day when we debriefed, Emily required and demanded of us a round of applause for surviving that day. <laughs> 
Yes. So I'm, I'm very, no, truly, like, I'm very proud of Emily for going on this trip because before she, like, I remember before she registered for Israel, we actually had a conversation. I pulled her aside one night after Bible study because Emily was like, she's like, I don't think I'm going to go. And I was like, Emily, <laughs> this is very important. But Emily like was nervous, rightfully so, about some of the walking and the heat and the hiking that she knew would be required if she went on this trip. And I was like, Emily, if you push through this, like I promise God's going to bless you. Like this is so important. And I'm very proud of Emily because she overcame her fear and decided to like set that aside, lay it down. And she just went for it and struggled through it. And I think that there's such a reward and such a blessing in that. So I'm so glad she did that because now like, as I'm like looking back at this trip, I was like, man, like think about everything you would have missed out on if you hadn't said yes. So amen and amen. Let's hear from Emily. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Becca, for explaining my uh, struggles on Israel. In Israel, uh, I feel like I uh, really just the bless, like just with the grace of God, I was able to trek through, uh, even though I was very slow compared to everyone else. Um, I just want to take a moment uh, before I uh, share to thank uh, some people. Um, this, uh, specifically, uh, my both my parents. Uh, I don't know where my mom went. I don't see her. Uh, my dad's at work, but I just want to take a moment to... What? Okay. <laughs> um, I just want to take a moment to just thank them for providing, like, finances for me to even go to this trip on the in the first place. They uh, laid down like thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for me to uh, to even be able to go on this trip. And I want to thank uh, Becca as well uh, for also uh, helping me with, uh, with flight situation and even uh, putting me on the same flight as Cindy because I know for a fact I would get lost in the airport because I've never traveled in a by my like at really at all I think the last time I went out was like in middle school um but anyways I just want to just take a moment to just thank uh also uh oh sorry um just thank uh Cindy as well uh for um just guiding me and helping me with uh everything really um, but yeah, just uh, one, of the t- one of the things that I feel like really, uh, I really learned over at, um, in Israel was uh, to, and not, and like, because we had a lot of like people share their testimonies, a lot of like, um, a lot of people like just sh- uh, like sharing like what they're doing uh, to further God's kingdom. I want to, uh, but like uh, Samuel uh, Whitfield would like afterwards would always remind us that in that like it's good to admire them and like praise them for like doing like God's work but all but um but God also wants uh to not forget that uh we need to imitate as well like it's not just looking at like uh other people and be like oh they're like so like close with God like uh this and that and just really uh 
wanted to uh, throw that out there. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, I just uh, just really, uh, oh, there's my mom. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, I just uh, really wanted, um, yeah, just like the all the testimonies that we heard, like, um, like how uh, Becca said, that there are some people that are risking their lives for uh, God's kingdom, and that, like, to the point where, like, yeah, if you, like, post their picture or, like, anything that they're doing, like, onto, like, any social media platform, like, they will be tracked down and, like, killed, essentially. And, uh, and, uh, even just, uh, is there the next, okay. Uh, the uh, other verse I wanted to share was, uh, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Uh, just really uh, honing in on that, like, uh, as especially um, my generation, I feel like we tend to admire and idolize even people that are, like, doing greater things. And, um, and like, uh, just uh, really wanting to just uh, hone in the uh, importance that, like, God called us to imitate uh, and walk and follow in um, Christ's footsteps. Um, because, and it's like, and it's also like that saying, like, instead of just like listening to a Sunday, uh, Sunday preaching, like, and just like going off with your normal day, but to really just instead, like, also walk that out um, because uh, actions speak louder than words. Thanks, Emily. So we're actually, um, for the sake of time, we're going to hear from Daniel and probably some others next Sunday. Um, so testimonies will be to be continued. Um, but if you guys can open up your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 21. We're going to read the word today. One of the themes that I felt like was highlighted in a lot of the places and stories that we got to see in Israel was just how, how much the gospel is like so dependent on God and his like strength and how like little it is dependent on us. And so I feel like that story is um, really highlighted with Peter and the way that Jesus dealt with him after he had denied him three times. Um, so if you guys can turn to John chapter 21, we're going to read from verses 1 uh, to 19. Jessica, can you read that for us? If you guys need a Bible, raise your hand. Anybody? Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. 
He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment where he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred years off, a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. I love this story of Peter and of Jesus. And um, so I want to pull out a couple things from here. So first of all, if we kind of backtrack a little bit, if you remember Peter, so Peter was super zealous, right? Like he was so zealous and so confident in his own love for Jesus that he actually told Jesus when Jesus said, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So Peter is not just confident, like in his own ability. He's so confident. He's like, even if these guys fall away, I'm never doing that. It's not me, right? Not me, God. I will die with you sooner than deny you. And Jesus is just looking at him like, Peter... You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Like, and he gives Peter just this like reality check of you are confident in the wrong things. You know, in another passage, Peter tells, or Jesus tells Peter, excuse me, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And so what I love about this story of Peter is that Of course, like exactly as Jesus said this would happen, he does it. He denies him three times, once to a little girl, because he's so afraid as he sees Jesus being taken and crucified. 
And if you look kind of how Peter responds afterwards, he goes back to what he knows. He goes back to fishing, to the life that he had before Jesus called him to be a disciple. And the same is very much true of us. You know, sometimes when we feel like we have failed in loving the Lord, our natural tendency is like, is kind of to, to be like, man, like, I'm not good at this Jesus thing. Like, I suck at this. Like, I know I have fallen short and I'm never going to attain it. So therefore, if I can't be successful at loving God, I know I can be successful in sin. Like, I know I can be successful in the world. You know, whatever that looks like for you, whatever your life was like before Christ called you. And so our tendency is to go back to that. Like we retreat to what we know and what we feel safe in, what we feel like we can succeed in, what's familiar to us. But the beautiful thing about this story is that because Jesus had laid a hold of Peter, Peter was completely unsuccessful in fishing, right? He caught nothing. He caught nothing. And what I love about that is, is that because like by the grace of God, when God has marked your life, when he's laid hold of you, you will be unsuccessful in sin. Even if you like try, like you want so badly just to go back to your old way of life. God's like, nope, (laughs) you're not going to catch anything because I'm right here. Like, and I'm going to get your attention. And Um, This story is beautiful because it kind of mirrors the way that the Lord first called Peter, the way that he first got his attention when he first called him to be a disciple. He did the exact same thing where they were fishing all night, caught nothing. And Jesus said, hey, try it the other side. And what we don't recognize is that actually for them to try the other side logically makes no sense. There shouldn't have been any fish on that side of the boat. And there also shouldn't have been any fish at that time of the day. The fish would have seen the net because it's no longer dark and they wouldn't have swam into it. So it is a miracle that the Lord like allowed fish to go into their net. But the, the point is, is that Jesus was jealous for Peter and did not let him go. Um, and the other thing that I, I love about this is there's poetry here. You know, one of the instances where Jesus had, or Peter had denied Jesus, it was near charcoal fire. Well, here is Jesus again. He's got a charcoal fire going on the beach and he's calling Peter back to himself. And Jesus, in his interaction with Peter, you see that he starts kind of, he's asking Peter, he's like, Peter, do you love me? And he starts kind of poking at Peter. Like he's kind of poking at him like, He's asking him these questions. He's kind of poking at him until finally Peter's like, ah, this hurts. Like, why are you asking me this a third time? Like, God, you know that I love you. And what's fascinating is the way that Jesus actually responds to Peter when he says, I love you. He gives him a command, right? And his command is to feed his sheep or to care for his sheep. Does anyone else find that like a little bit weird? I feel like that's kind of weird, right? Like if someone like, if I was like, Cindy, do you love me? And she's like, yes, I love you, Becca. We're going to be friends forever. And then I was like, all right, Cindy, take care of Lom Lom. Like, is that Lom Lom or Lom Lom is our dog? Just FYI. (laughs) 
But like, does that strike anyone else as like a little odd? Like that, like if you're, if our response to Jesus is yes, like I love you. And then his response to our genuine love for him is being like, okay, that's great. Feed my sheep. Like there's something that the Lord requires of us that when we love him, he invites us to take care of his people. That our love for him will actually practically look like caring for his sheep and feeding his sheep. That it doesn't look like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy you, Jesus. Like, it's just you and me. We're just going to have great Devo time and great one-on-ones. And it's just going to be you and me forever. But actually, like, that intimacy should fuel us to love and take care of his people. Because that's how the Lord um, responds to us in that situation. And... um. The last thing I want to highlight here is just that Jesus, throughout Peter's life, like Peter has gets some really, really awesome prophetic words and some really, really hard prophetic words. And if any of you guys have ever like received prophetic prayer, like usually people go into it and they're wanting to be encouraged. They're wanting to know like, what awesome things am I going to do for the Lord? Like, tell me how great I am. Peter, he gets a doozy. Like, he gets a bad one here. Like, if you think about it in human terms, like, Jesus tells Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And the older I get or the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I appreciate this like word that he gave to Peter. Because if any of us got a word like that, like Jesus is sitting Peter down. He's saying, hey, you used to do whatever you wanted. When you're more mature, you're going to be led where you don't want to go. Like someone else is going to dress you. You're not going to just live for what you want anymore, but actually it's going to result in your death unto the glory of God. Like that's not something that most of us would be like, yeah, sign me up. That's great. Thanks, Jesus. It's really encouraging. But I find this so encouraging because if you think about the way that Peter had just failed Jesus, like he failed to to love, like basically... Uh, to not love his own life, right? Like he tried to save his life. He tried to save himself by denying Jesus. And now Jesus is reinstating him, recommissioning him and saying, hey, I know you think you're disqualified because of this, but actually like my purpose for you is exactly the same as it always was. But now you're broken enough that I can use you because your confidence is no longer in your own strength and your own ability to love me and to carry out my word, but it's your confidence now is in me. And so I feel like that's the um, invitation that we have that when we have all of us like in our lives, like and in the, the course of us walking with the Lord, all of us have fallen short in like many ways, many times. Um, but at the end of the day, like we can wrestle with shame and condemnation and let that sideline us completely or we can allow the Lord to speak to us and to call us back to him and say, hey, you're not disqualified. I'm still going to use you. And I'm going to give you the grace that you need to lay down your life and to take up your cross and follow me. So 
um, that's just kind of what I wanted to encourage us with this morning is that like Jesus has fresh grace for us when we struggle with condemnation, when we struggle with shame. Um, and he has just even grace to, to be able to, to lay down our lives for his sheep and to serve him, to serve people. Like there's fresh grace from the Lord. Um, one of the things that I think, yeah, just, just that got highlighted all throughout our trip, even in just the way that you see God's faithfulness to Israel, is you recognize Israel is not special because they're more holy or they're more righteous. Like they're only special because God has chosen them and because he's faithful, not because they're faithful or they're anything like great in and of themselves. They're not. They're just like you and I. But we see the faithfulness of God. And so that's the same story we see in the nation of Israel and the same story we see in Peter's life and that we get the opportunity, if we allow him, we get the opportunity to see that same faithfulness of God in our own lives, like day to day to see how he can redeem us. Um, so I just want to take some time to to pray. Um, and there's kind of three things that I wanted to, to pray for this morning is I want to ask God for grace. Like one, um, just for those of us that like feel like, man, like I need, like, I want to love you wholeheartedly, but like, I need your help to love you, God, because I recognize that like my own zeal is not enough to love you wholeheartedly, but I need your love to help me love you back. Um, and the second kind of thing or group of people I want to pray for is just, um, yeah, just any of us that might feel like we're struggling with accusation or condemnation of having fallen short, um, for things that maybe you really did do or like, you know, big or small, like that God would wipe that away and reinstate us like and and remind our hearts that we are not disqualified from loving him and from following him and serving him. Um, and the third kind of thing I want to pray for is just that, um, yeah, like that we all like in various ways sometimes struggle to lead on our lives daily, whether that's laying down our lives um, in terms of serving other people or whether that's laying down our lives in terms of preferring Christ and agreeing with his ways and what he says is good. Um, so what we're going to do um, is I want us to go, we're going to go back into a time of worship and then we're going to take some time to pray. And if you would like prayer for like any of these three areas, I'll come back up and kind of announce it, but we'll give it opportunity. I want the Israel team, if you guys were on the trip to Israel, we're going to pray for anyone that raises their hand for prayer. But first, we're going to worship the Lord. Um, so, Priscilla, if you can lead us uh, back into the song, and then we'll have a time of prayer. Yeah, thanks, Becca. You guys will go ahead and stand up, and we're going to worship. Um, one thing that she said that I really liked um, was, uh, if God marks you, if God marks you, that you will find yourself unsuccessful in sin, that you'll even find yourself unsuccessful if you try to put the world first. And so just taking a moment to, you know, like if you feel somewhat like meaninglessness, uh, like kind of in your work or relationships, like you're going to work and you're like, man, what is the point of this? Like I'm feeling kind of unsuccessful in the world of work or I'm feeling unsuccessful in the world of relationships, or I'm feeling unsuccessful in this or that, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's maybe the Lord's saying, hey, maybe your life isn't meant to circle around this. Maybe this isn't supposed to be the main thing of your life. And maybe our gauge 
of success should be whether we are loved and we are loving God. And um, so just taking a moment to, to pray and sing into that. all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart when the music fits when the music fits all is stripped away and I simply 